Welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. If you're watching the replay or on YouTube, thanks so much for being a part of the Menopause Movement. Today, we welcome Jerry Potter to the podcast. Now, we're continuing in our series on business training that started with Colleen Kohanic and James Wedmore. Jerry is the founder of Five Minute Social Media, where he's been able to empower over 400,000 people around the world to do their own social media marketing. Jerry helps time-strapped entrepreneurs who are frustrated with social media simplify their processes. Jerry has a proven process that helps businesses use social media efficiently and effectively. Jerry helps new and stuck businesses grow using the world's simplest social media strategies, and he's going to share some of them with us today. Jerry lives in Seattle, where he spends his time with his wife and two tiny humans, and is on a quest to prove Diet Coke is actually good for him. And we talked about that before the podcast, and I told him it would never be good for him, but it's all right. Now, if you're a new or established entrepreneur or looking to branch out of a job you're not in love with, this episode will help you to demystify the basics of social media to get started. During the podcast, we discuss how Jerry got into social media, the importance of celebrating every small win, the comparison pitfall, how no one in business has time to do non-revenue generating activities, the importance of finding out what works for you, how simplifying is the path to success, knowing your goals, what are Instagram stories and how to use them and why they're so engaging, what to do if you're just starting out, dealing with mistakes. Now stay to the end to find out Jerry's hardest and most compelling social media lesson and what you can do to avoid falling into the same trap. At the end of the episode, make sure you visit drmichellegordon.com forward slash podcasts, where you can find the show notes plus the links to the books and resources mentioned in the episode. And if you enjoy the episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you're always the first to know when each episode is released. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for all the five-star reviews. If you haven't left a review yet, please take the time to review the podcast. This helps more women to find it and get the help they need during the disruption of menopause. No one should have to go it alone. If you feel so inclined, go ahead and open a conversation with me on Instagram at Dr. Michelle Gordon. Now let's get to Jerry. Thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. Welcome to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so you help entrepreneurs, right? You help people do their social media. So how'd you get into that? Well, I was actually a radio host or presenter or personality, whatever term you want to use, for over 20 years. And uh-huh. it was a very unlikely career for a lifelong introvert, but it was a lot of fun. And it's also a, a very transient business where you kind of have to move to keep advancing your career, contracts end, things of that nature. And it got to the point where family became a bigger priority. We didn't you know, drag the family around. And looking at everything that was happening in the world, I was trying to figure out what else can I do? And a friend of mine said, you realize that you've been a content creator and an engagement specialist your whole career, right? Everybody needs that now. And it was this light bulb moment. And so that moment, I kind of went, well, you know, the last eight years in radio was 50% social media anyway. And so I kind of pursued this. I started a YouTube channel completely as a hobby called Five Minute Social Media. It was put together after my Young boys were in bed at night and just for fun, and it took off, and I realized that there was a need, and now I am out to impact as many people as I can to simplify this, to help people understand the amazing opportunity that there is to reach people and engage with people and communicate with people that we didn't have even 10 years ago. Even though Facebook existed 10 years ago, this opportunity was not there the way that it is now. So when did you start 5-Minute Social Media? What year? 2017. Okay. And so you've got a pretty big YouTube channel now? Yeah, we recently passed, I think we're at about 80, 85,000 subscribers. Like I said, it was not ever the expectation. <laughs> I, yeah, when yeah. I started, I said, if I can get 50 people to show up and watch what I'm talking about every week, because like, you imagine those people in a room, if people showed up in a room to watch you speak every week, 50 of them, you'd be like, wow, this is amazing. Right. So I'm 
completely grateful and, and humbled and, and it obviously showed the need that was there for people. So I think that's a really good perspective to look at when you say, you know, if you can get 50 people to look at something, you know, podcasting, as you probably know, is a really long game. You know, I've, yes. this podcast is over a year old and, you know, we've just surpassed like 26,000 downloads or something and it's really slow. But you think about it, you know, if every month we're getting 3,000 unique downloads, 3,000 to 5, and it grows every month. And so, you know, to look at the subscribers, I mean, every single week, we're actually in the ears of at least, you know, 600, 700 people. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Imagine those people in an auditorium every week. You'd be elated. You'd be like, wow, look at all of these people. And and sometimes we forget that. And I think it's really important to remember that whether it's a podcast or YouTube or any social media following, you know, an audience, if they're ready to listen to what you have to say, then you are impacting them and you can't compare yourself to the people that are, you know, ahead of you because they're at one point too. Right. Yeah, that's true. There is that problem with comparisonitis, right? When we first get started, you know, we want to have instant results and success looks a lot like hard work, right? Yeah, yeah. it's a great quote. (laughs) That's Ashton Kutcher, but, but it's not luck. Taking those small actions that continually bring you closer and closer to your goals, that's how success happens. And then recognizing when things aren't working and making adjustments, right? Yeah. And I think that it's really important to celebrate each little milestone that you hit as well. You know, one of the things that I'm always trying to remind myself of is, you know, whoever you look up to, whether it's a doctor or an athlete or whatever it might be, you know, once upon a time, they were picking up a bat for the first time and didn't know how to do it. And once upon a time, they probably, you know, failed a quiz in med school or whatever it is. And so every mile, I have a group coaching program and inside Mm -hmm. I go out of my way to make sure people celebrate those wins, no matter how big or small, because it's so healthy for you to reflect and go, okay, well, man, I'm having a bad day now, but look at where I was 90 days ago or six months ago. And it makes such an impact on your mindset to do that, no matter how small the little win was. That's really big thing. We talk a lot here at the menopause movement about, you know, who we want to be and kind of Mm -hmm. moving into that, that person of becoming that person to get the results we want and really looking at, you know, how our thoughts shape our reality. You know, that's what we do in the mental system and in the coaching programs and things like that. And so it's very similar. So how specifically can, you know, anybody who is, looking to start a business, what can they do to kind of get get going with social? So it's not overwhelming. You know, I'll tell you the first step is just kind of looking at what you're going to do on social media and what a lot of people look at before they even get there is they look at other businesses. You know, you look at somebody that's, you know, speaking of somebody who's further ahead in your field, your business, you know, whatever you want to be doing. And you look at what they're doing and you just go, oh my gosh, I can't do all that. Look at this. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They're chatting with people here. They're doing all, you know, they've got a YouTube channel. They've got a podcast. How could I ever start with that? And then the next step is people dive into social media and then they try to do those things or even half of it and they get overwhelmed and we quit, right? Because it, it gets hard. You know, one of my favorite quotes, and I think it was Rachel Hollis that said this, is that, you know, if entrepreneurship was easy, everybody would do it. She's the one that I heard say that, but it's worth the cost. It's the cost of admission for the great life that entrepreneurship um, allows us. And so when people get into social media, they do what they see others doing. They start posting and they don't see the results and they get discouraged and they say, I just don't have time for this or I can't, I don't have time to do this well. But the thing that I like to remind people of is you don't have time to do anything in your (laughs) business that doesn't help you make money. Right. And that's what happens a lot is there's this guilt that, oh, I have to be on social media. You know, we're in the day and age, the digital age. I have to be on social media. Somebody told me I had to be on social media. And so, yes, if you're doing social media and it's not leading to revenue, they know you don't have time in the same sense that you don't have time to stand on the side of the street with a cardboard sign, you know, advertising your business either because it's not making you any money. And so that's the first thing I think is really, really important. The next step though is giving yourself grace to know that you don't have to do all the things. You don't have to do what you see your competitors doing. It's about figuring out exactly what will work for you and your business and then focusing all in on that. Because if you try and do everything, nothing will do well. So how does somebody find out what works for them? It's a great question. And that's probably the number one thing that I work with people on. But what I like to have people do is you really need to start off and you need to set 
a proper social media goal or social media goals. And a lot of times, you know, I'll ask, hey, what's your social media goal? And somebody will say, oh, well, I'm going to post three times a week. And posting three times a week is a to-do list. It's not a social media goal. You know, it's different than business goals. They're different than marketing goals. Sometimes we'll say, well, I want to increase my followers. I want to grow my audience. But having a bigger audience has never been a guarantee that you'll actually generate revenue from it. So we don't want any of those to be our social media goals. There are numerous case studies of, you know, influencers on Instagram with 2 million followers, and then they try and sell something and can't, nobody buys. So that follower number is irrelevant. You know, I would much rather have 200 engaged people that wanted what I have than 10,000 people who, you know, didn't, (laughs) obviously. So well, so let's, let's talk about is, that for one second about engagement. Yeah. You know, I think because of COVID, it's really changed the landscape. People are home. And so people are looking for more connection online. And, you know, that's for where sure. a lot of people who are in the online space are seeing record launches, record revenue. But if you look at your own buying behavior, and this is for anybody who is looking to start a business, when you start paying attention to your own buying behavior, it's like, how often do you buy something from somebody that you don't know, like, and trust, right? So if you don't have a relationship, if you're not able to establish some sort of relationship with the person who is your target, you're never going to be able to sell them anything. I don't know if that's what you teach, if you're in on that, but that's kind of, you know, my own feeling. And that's why we give away so much. That's why we have the podcast. And besides that, you know, with the free content, we can reach so many more you know, women and, and help them. Yeah, without question. And that know, like, and trust is essential. And that might be, you know, one of your social media goals. So when you're trying to figure out what a social media goal is for your business, and most businesses will have two to three, what is the thing that is going to actually make somebody hire you or buy from you? Something mm-hmm. happens before they do. And so it might be, your social media goal might be to get somebody on your email list or grow your email list because you know that for every 10 people who join your email list, one becomes a paying customer or client. It might be to build and maintain relationships. You know, if you're in a relationship business or a referral business, then your social media goal might be that. But you really want something that definitely leads to revenue in your business, as opposed to posting three times a week, increasing followers, which, you know, don't make that difference. And so that's a big part of it. Now, when you talk about no like, and trust, your social media goal, one of them could be to build that authority and that trust, you know, so you do live videos or, or whatever it might be, but it really is different for everybody. And my favorite social media goal story, several years ago, I was speaking at a conference for charity or benefit auctioneers in Mexico. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's a room full of auctioneers and this guy comes up afterwards and he goes, hey, I want to tell you my social media goal. And I was like, okay, great. I'd love to hear it. What is it? And he says, it's to look busy. And I said, what what, what do you mean to look busy? He goes, I have realized that when people assume that I'm busy, they assume that I'm good at what I do and I keep getting hired. And so for him, who, you know, he works maybe 50 events a year, that's, you know, and the rest is just planning and consulting and things like that. So every time he has a meeting, he posts a picture. Every time he tries on a new, you know, rental tuxedo or a costume or shops for a new bow tie or whatever it is, he posts pictures. And people say all the time, like, wow, you must be doing really well, you know. And another thing of charity auctioneering is the majority of the events are in the spring and the fall. So he's got this lull in the summer and the winter where he's not even doing these events. And so, you know, it works for him. People assume he's busy. They assume he's good. And he's been booked out for years because of that. And that's all he does. That's his social media goal is to appear busy. And he's good at what he does. You can't pull this off. You can't just look busy and be terrible at what you do. You still sure. have to, you know, be good at it. But Right. But the thing is, he was able to know his audience enough to know that that was a goal that spoke to them. And that's important, right? And it was simple and that for him. And that was the, you know, that's what I'm always looking for when is, you know, figure out what's the simplest thing that you can do. And again, he's booked out every Saturday, you know, that there were events in the spring and fall every year. And so he's happy with that. He could spend time on a lot of other things, but on social media, but that's what works. And that's all he has to do. So so you said simplify. And so I think that's important to talk about. And I'd love to get your process around that because for a lot of us, social media is just daunting. It's like, you know, I don't want to create this content. I don't want to post, you know, I don't know how to get direct responses, you know, and this Facebook group is just big chain around my neck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you say to somebody who's, you know, feeling those kinds of things? The cornerstone of all of it is, is to figure out those goals to start. 
because then at least you know that the work you're putting in is leading toward revenue because that's what you want it for. Especially if you're somebody who's like, oh, I guess I got to be on social media. You know, here we are and entering the third decade of this millennium and it's been around for like, I have to be, you know, you, like you said, the, the Facebook group, that's the heavy yeah. chain around your neck. I got to do this. So what you want to do is you want to figure out what those goals are. And there may be a few. And then what we do is then, you know, this is somewhat counterintuitive, but we build the plan backward from that goal so that we're only focusing on the things that matter. And what a lot of business owners do is they build forward. And so the typical, you know, social media strategy that I'll see a lot of the times and that I did once upon a time was, okay, we're setting up this new business on social media. So let's set up their Facebook page, their Instagram account, their Twitter, their LinkedIn. Let's make sure they have, you know, a Tumblr, all the things, right? MySpace. And then, yeah. And then we start, and then we start posting. So step one is set up all the networks. Step two yeah. is start posting. And then step three is wait for money. You know, right. and that's what a lot of people are doing. They're like, I post, I do the things that all of the people say. And I, I just, I, you know, nobody's buying. And and so what we want to do is we want to work backwards. So we start with at the end with those things that people, you know, that will get somebody to buy. And so if you are in a no like, and trust business, the thing that happens right before somebody buys might be that you have a one-on-one conversation with them, you know, in not in person, but just even a, a few messenger exchanges. Like this is the way I grow a lot of my businesses. If I get somebody into a one-on-one conversation about their business and their challenges, I can, you know, often show them that, hey, my course could really help you or my membership or whatever it might be, or mm-hmm. this training I've got, or, or even a, a free training I've got somewhere. But I know that works. And so if that's true for your business, that you know, if you get somebody into a one-on-one conversation, you say, okay, well, what happens before that? You know, it's not, I start just spam messaging people because that's not going to work. But you start by posting engaging content that would get people to sort of self-identify as your ideal customer. And so let's just use Instagram as an example, because it's probably the best example of this. If I was focusing entirely on Instagram, I'm going to build my business on Instagram and I need people in one-on-one conversations with me. I would post Instagram stories every day and I would constantly ask for replies to things. And the great thing on Instagram stories is when somebody replies, it's a private message. So we start at the end, which is revenue. Right before that, we get into a one-on-one conversation. Right before that, we post a piece of content that leads to a one-on-one conversation. And so then that becomes, you know, the beginning of the strategies. I'm just going to post things that lead to responses. And in that example, they don't even have to be about your business. I mean, you could put something up and say, here's a picture of my dog. What kind of dog do you have? And you get a bunch of replies. And if they're a potential client, you chat about dogs a few times, you know, and then you pivot the conversation. And so, but what we've done with that is now I'm not posting to the feed, because I know the feed does not lead to one-on-one conversations. I'm not trying to create a brand new fancy video for IGTV every week because that doesn't, you know, help me. And I'm not spending an hour browsing Twitter every day because it doesn't help me reach my goals. Twitter's yeah. gone really, really negative, hasn't it? Sorry, I don't I just, spend a lot of time there anymore. I just, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter is not a fun place to be. It's, it's just like a bunch of people who are, you know, complaining about other people and what they say. That's my experience with Twitter. I mean, I'm, it may not be everyone's experience with Twitter, but that's certainly mine. It's a platform that is evolving in some interesting directions. That's for yeah. sure. So, okay. So if you're like me, I mean, Instagram is relatively new. And I remember when Facebook bought Instagram and I was like, oh, Instagram, what is that? And I put it on my phone and now I use it and I've got, you know, I've got, I don't know, a thousand followers or something on Instagram, but I don't know about stories. And and I, I do watch some stories and I see some people who use them, but I think a lot of people in my age group, I'm in my mid fifties, going to be late fifties in a couple of months. <laughs> But some of these platforms seem really, you know, difficult, like TikTok or, you know, like Snapchat, things that I would probably, Pinterest. I mean, I know that there's a lot of women in my age who use Pinterest. I don't even have any clue about Pinterest. I've got a Pinterest account and I don't, I'm like, what? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so so let's start with Instagram stories since that's kind of what you touched on. So Instagram stories is, for anyone who's completely unfamiliar, it's basically quick video clips or images, and you can dress them up with text and, and, you know, GIFs and different things like that. And they automatically expire after 24 hours, they disappear. And 
that's the first objection to them all the time. Like, why would I create something that's going to be gone in 24 hours? But it's important to remember that social media can be so fleeting that most of the things you put on any social media network are probably not showing up in anybody's feed after about 24 hours anyway, and maybe even less. And so that's not a reason to avoid them. The strength of Instagram stories, other than the fact that, you know, any replies you get go right into your private messages, as we discussed, which is incredibly Mm -hmm. valuable if your value per customer or client, if every booking you get is worth two, 300 bucks or more or a thousand or, you know, onward and upward, you know, that lifetime value of a client, that's well worth having these one-on-one conversations, right? If you make 17 cents per t-shirt sale, well, then that's probably not, (laughs) you know, the way to go. But the power of Instagram stories is it's probably the fastest way to build that know, like, and trust factor that you talked about, because they're so genuine and authentic. And it's like, hey, here's me in my day. And, you know, this is unpolished. And my favorite part about it, It started with Snapchat stories. Then Instagram basically said, hey, we're going to have something like that, but we're going to call it, we're going to call it literally the exact same thing. But what Snapchat stories did for, I think, not just for social media, but for society altogether is introduce this idea of expiring content. And it gave us permission or made us comfortable enough to actually start sharing what our lives are really like. And that's why we're in this, you know, era of authenticity that, you know, I mean, people have always liked authentic people. But five years ago on, you know, you had your Facebook life, picture perfect, you know, photos of your loved ones and, you know, nothing's ever wrong. And look, it's a blue sky every day. And, and then this came along and people started sharing, you know, a little bit more. Hey, I've got bedhead today. Oh, sorry. I'm, you know, not awake yet. Hey, having my coffee, you know, these truly authentic things, but people that were not, you know, perfectly made up all the time. And that's what, that's what stories did is it made, people real and authentic. And so that's really the strength of Instagram stories is, is it gets people to let you see, lets people see what you're like and you get to share things. And the other thing that it did too, is that a lot of us have this worry that everything we say has to be super interesting. But the scary part of that is all of us have interesting things to say that we don't think are interesting. And I'm sure you've had this into your your entire you know career where you're like, well, I do that all the time. That's not interesting. And somebody will say, well, tell me about this. And you're right. like, oh, that's, that's a thing. You know, when I worked as a radio host, I always assumed, you know, if I met a listener, they would say, oh, tell me about celebrities you got to meet or whatever it might've been. And mm-hmm. it was always like, so like, what color is the paint in the studio? Because on I've seen it on the webcam and it looks like it's this or that or, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like, that's what you want to know? <laughs> or how many buttons does the control board have? You know, how many buttons are on there? How many lights are there? Yeah. And so our jobs are more interesting than we think. And it's tough to see because we're in it every day. Right. And I think with COVID, I mean, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about how could I start doing Instagram stories? Like my dog just walked in. I don't know if you heard her, but she can't be away from me. And And so, you know, sometimes share pictures, but it's like, how can I make my life interesting? I get up, I go for a walk, I come to the computer, you know, I sometimes do a podcast. I mean, I suppose I could take a picture, you know, like right now. Yeah, take of one what right we're now. doing, and <laughs> then you can tag me in it, and put then that, I can share put it that to, up to on social media. <laughs> yeah, so I suppose there's that. You know, I mean, it's just a matter of like just doing taking pictures of the mundane and the things that we find that are mundane that may not be to other people, right? It's sharing the story of your life or in of your business. You know, for yeah. example, you might be on your walk. And you say, oh, it's Friday. This is the day that I take, you know, take my podcast. And today I'm going to be talking to whoever it might be. And let me know if you'd like the link and I'm happy to share it. And then somebody says, I didn't know you had a podcast. You know, where can I find the link? And another day you're just sharing a thought that you have. You know, to be transparent, Instagram is not a priority for my business, but it is my favorite social network. So I post to it for fun. But, you know, this week I shared a time management breakthrough that I had. And all these people were like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Can you send me that? And, you know, those are points of connection. So it doesn't have to be, you know, what you consider mundane, but sometimes that mundane stuff, you know, is interesting. The, probably the most popular Facebook Live I ever did was when my dog got scared and jumped in my lap in the middle and ripped the headphones out of my ears and knocked something over <laughs> on the table. And, you know, it was chaos, but that's real life. And, and that's yeah. really powerful. I think that both people do really like real life stuff, you know, every once in a while, you know, I'll do, I'll do a live. And I had, I was doing a live teaching and right in the middle of it, my dog started barking. 
<laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. I had to kick her out. So yeah, so that's yeah. good. So we have this understanding of what Instagram stories are. So we know that they're you know, these expiring things to show people kind of a little bit about your life, get them, you know, inside of who you are and, and people are interested in that. But what if you're starting with zero? If you have no followers, do you still do that? Or, you know, what, what role does the advertising have to play in this? Well, so there are, the first thing that I strongly recommend when you are starting off is pick one social media platform and go all in on it. And a lot of times people have that fear of missing out. Like, well, if I focus on Instagram, you know, I'm going to miss out on people on LinkedIn. But what happens is when you go deeper on one platform, you're usually going to grow faster. And the analogy I like to use is imagine that you have three plants in front of you, right? And you want all three plants to grow. And spoiler alert, the plants are your social networks. You've got one gallon of water and each plant needs a gallon of water. Well, what most people would do is they'd give a third of a gallon to each plant. And what happens is all of the plants die or barely hang on. None of them grow and thrive. So the same analogy, now you've got your LinkedIn plant, your Instagram plant, your Facebook plant, your limited resources, your time. So you put a third of your allotted time into each one and they all just kind of sit there floundering. They certainly don't grow and thrive. And so it's really important to just pick one and go all in on it because when you do, your content will be better because it's created for that platform. Your audience will be more loyal. You'll have more time to engage with them. And then they become these, you know, almost brand evangelists. They'll buy more. They'll tell friends about it because you're super serving them on that platform. And there's a time to add another one later. But I think that's really the key is to kind of start there. And then as far as growing, you know, different platforms grow in different ways, but there's two primary ways to grow your audience on social media short of sending people there from somebody else. So for you, you could decide, I'm going to go all in on LinkedIn. And you could, in every podcast episode, you could say, I would love to connect with you on LinkedIn, find my profile in the show notes. You know, that would yeah. be an external way to grow. But internally in social media, there's two ways to grow. One is to take the time to outwardly engage. Instagram is great for this, where you basically find people that are your potential clients and customers and you go out with and, and engage with them, leave them comments, you know, things like that. Then they check you out, they hopefully will follow you. Facebook business pages, it's really hard to do that with because a business page is only allowed to interact in certain ways. They've, really, they've really locked it down, haven't they? Yeah. But Instagram, LinkedIn, you know, personal profiles are great for outward engagement. Facebook personal profiles, what you can do meeting people in groups um, is incredible. Twitter, these are all places you can grow with outward engagement. And that's the, I don't have money, but I have time strategy. The other growth strategy is I have money and I don't have time, which is where you can spend money to grow your audience quickly. But that can be that can be scary in the beginning. And I'm never going to be the person that says, oh, you got to spend money to make money. But if you're going to spend money, you should have some idea of how you're going to make it back. Because what I don't want is, you know, what somebody came to me a couple of years ago and they said, hey, I saw your YouTube video about how to boost a Facebook post and I boosted it for $30 and I got 200 likes and it was just the greatest thing in the world. And then the next day they sent something else, another message and they said, well, now what? Yeah. And you know, the problem is likes will not pay the bills. Likes will right. not pay your team or the electric bill. You know, they don't keep the lights on. And so she decided to throw $30 out and see what happened. But if you are going to spend money, it's really important to have an understanding of, okay, well, how am I going to make this back? And if it is in the beginning and you've got some budget just to grow your audience, that's perfectly fine. But you should still have a longer term plan. Right. The but if you're going to do, thing, I'm sorry, do you mind? No, go ahead. If you're going to do advertising, you want to make sure you have the proper goal. You don't want to just go out and buy likes, say, on Facebook because you're exactly. going to get the wrong people. So you want to make sure you know type of customer you want and, and the, the person that you want to be following you. That's really important, I think, before you start spending money on advertising that you really know who it is you're going to serve. And when we did the podcast with Colleen Kahanik, we actually showed people how to create a Facebook page. We really like to get like 100 organic followers before we even start thinking about advertising because, you know, at least if you have the right people and you have 100 people, then you can kind of upload that to Facebook to make a lookalike audience, right? Yeah. And the, the other yeah. thing I just wanted to add on is if, you know, if you have a hundred people that are seeing your content, I don't mean a hundred followers because you can have a hundred followers and most of them still will not see your business page because yeah. the, the free reach is so bad. But if you have a hundred people that are seeing your content and nobody's buying and nobody's hiring you, 
spending money to reach a thousand people or five thousand people is not going to fix that. Right. Like it's really important to you know. But if you have a hundred people that are seeing your stuff and they're buying, odds are if you can serve those same things, the same content to people, you know, other similar people, then that will help your sales. And that's when it's really powerful. But sometimes people say, "Yeah, I've got you know five hundred followers and and nobody's buying. I just have to get in front of more people." And you know, at that point, it, it's a problem with the product or the offer or the messaging or something along those lines. So that's why right. it's good to get that in line first. There are so many factors to an online business or to any business, yeah. but you know, we're in this world of online right now. And again, like you said, you know, if, if it was easy, everyone would do it. And you know, James Wedmore likes to say that you know your success is inevitable if you stay with it long enough. But the other thing you have to do is, is as these pitfalls come up and as you make mistakes, you have to see it's, a, it's you win or you learn. It's not, yeah. you know, a failure ever. It's never a failure. I mean, I've made plenty of mistakes in my life. And what I do is I try to put systems in place to avoid those mistakes going forward. And that's really the only thing. I mean, because, you know, we're here to kind of get an idea of what it's like to be human, right? <laughs> so, yeah, and that's one of the great things about social media is – you can make so many mistakes and be perfectly fine. You know, yeah. I mean, really the only thing in all of digital marketing for the most part is that you can't fix is email. Because once an email goes out, it's out. But if you make a typo in your social media post or, I mean, you know, you can delete posts, you can edit posts, you can, you know, you can do all of these things. And so it's not like, you know, one point in time where you said, okay, I'm going to run this postcard campaign or I'm going to buy a radio ad or something like that. And next thing you know, you're out five grand and it's out and you can't change it. And it's like, oh, we put the wrong phone number on the postcard. You know, it's gone. And so social media lets us make as almost as many mistakes as we, you know, could possibly need. Yeah, that's actually really a good thing. If you think about like, you know, people like Gary Halbert, who did a lot of the, you know, direct response mail, real, mm-hmm. you know, mail marketing or Brian, Brian Kurtz, right? Once they sent that mailer out, if there was a mistake in it, there, you know, just like you said, there's no getting back. And, but we can do direct response social media marketing. And if we make a mistake, that's what I, that's the, that's the beauty of the digital era, right? The beauty of the digital era. But, you know, I, I like to say that my journey through internet marketing is kind of like my residency in surgery. You know, when I first held a knife, the knife kind of went everywhere. (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't know what I was doing. And so it's, you know, now here I am, you know, really, I'm, I'm much more focused. I know who I'm serving. I know my messaging. I know what I want to do. And, you know, we're helping women who have, you know, mental misery and we're bringing them into the minimal way of living. That's amazing, right? And through that, then we have a big ripple effect where, you know, families are changed and relationships are healed and people are, you know, getting better with themselves and stuff. And we have, we have a whole series on, you know, from minnow misery to minnow mate every single month. So every month coming up, you guys will all see that. But what I've noticed is that it's just like a residency. I mean, I can't expect, I didn't expect to know everything about surgery when I started my surgical residency, but when I started this, I expected it to be immediately successful. And so my expectations were not in line with reality. And so how do you help people with their expectations when it comes to, you know, starting a business or growing social media or any of those things? I love that question. The biggest thing in the beginning is really trying to keep it simple. And first is just giving yourself grace and permission that you don't have to be all the places. And I'll tell you, when you copy what somebody more successful than you is doing, it usually fails, you know, for a number of reasons. And I teach a course where I show people how to build their own social media marketing plan. And the reason that I created it is I saw this need where everyone else was saying, hey, here's what's worked for me and I'm gonna show you exactly how to do it. But because it worked for them, it may have worked for them three years ago. It may not work for them now or you now, or it may have worked for them because they have a certain personality quirk, or it may have worked for them because of who they are, or it may have worked for them because they already had an audience and you don't have one. And so that's why I like to really come back and start simply and go, okay, you know, we start off with who is your ideal customer, of course. And then we work on what is that social media goal? And then we reverse engineer the plans from there. And so the biggest thing to you know, that I work with people on going into it is is really building that simple plan to start. And we can grow on it later. But yeah just like you described with 
you know, surgery, if you went in and expected to be an expert heart surgeon, brain surgeon, you know, it's like, I have a steady hand. I'm going to be great at all of this. Without Um, knowing anatomy first. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but that's assuming that, okay, well, that means that I know how to use a computer or I know how to use my smartphone so I can market my business on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, you know, all of the places. And that's when we get overwhelmed. And so that's why the simplicity is what I love to thrive on. And, you know, understand you don't ever potentially have to be like some of these other bigger businesses that you see out there. You can literally build your entire business just on Instagram, or there are people who build their entire business just with a Facebook personal profile Mm -hmm. or with a Facebook group, or there are people that build their entire business in other people's Facebook groups. But what happens is when you keep it simple in the beginning, you get really, well, first of all, you don't get discouraged, but second is you get really good at it. And then you get better and you get better. And so there are people out there that have never set up a business page. You know, they have a website, they're a legitimate business. And all they do is they spend time going out into other people's Facebook groups and posting and building relationships and not posting in a spammy way. They're just out talking to to people in the same way that they would at networking events. And they've got these incredible successful businesses like that. So, So the main thing, you know, to answer your question is let's not only keep it simple, but let's keep it simple and effective and let's figure out what that is at the beginning so you can just, you know, literally triple down on that. And an amazing thing happens. You know, we started our conversation today talking about how, of course, we don't have time for social media if it's not making us any money. Right. But once it is, all it, you know, it's amazing where when somebody realizes that if I spend 15 minutes a day outwardly engaging on Instagram, I find two new customers by the end of every week and they're worth a thousand dollars all of a sudden i've got 30 minutes a day to spend on instagram or 45 you know because now you can see where it's going and that's what's so powerful in each each one of us in each one of our businesses and it's just a little different for everybody yeah well it's almost like you know when, when it comes to menopause right i say i tell people you know when it comes to menopause there is no one size fits all answer and it sounds like you're doing kind of the similar thing you know there's got your own unique business, you've got your own unique business DNA. And if you're just starting out, which a lot of women in my program are looking to, or people who listen to me are looking to, you know, kind of change, they're coming into who they are. And and they're thinking that, you know, I'm not really happy in this job. And I want to be happy. And maybe what I need to do to be happy is start a job or, or do a side hustle or something. And so I think it's important that Again, when when you come to building your business, you pick one platform, just like you said, and then you really go deep in that platform. But also at the same time, make sure that you collect email addresses somewhere because you want to make sure that you own your own marketing. You don't want to ever rely. You know, if you build your whole business on Instagram or Facebook, at the end of the day, they may change everything about it and you may not have access to those people anymore. Or if somebody hacks your account, I mean, there's just so many things that can happen. So you want to make sure that you are still communicating with people via email somehow. Yeah, it's not a day one thing that I talk to people about, but they should be thinking about it on day one. There are people with hundreds of thousands of YouTube subscribers and their account gets hacked and violates something and they get it shut down and they may never get it back or it might take months of legal action if they can even afford that. You know, you can lose your business page on Facebook, your Instagram, and it's just gone. And, you know, they don't owe it to you. There's nothing you can do. That's their you know, that's their thing. And so, yeah, the email list is crucial. It really is. So, you know, we've looked at a couple of things. It's almost like, you know, what Stephen Covey said, you know, begin with the end in mind, right? You want to know what your end goal is. And the end goal is to, especially if you're a business, is to make money. If you want to make friends, then, you know, your personal Facebook page and post things and people will, you know, have a conversation around that, right? If you're in it to make money, then you want to say, okay, what kind of person do I want to serve? And actually, you know, coming up, in the podcast, we're going to be talking to Ryan Levesque all about oh, nice. choosing your market, you know, and, and how that's the most important thing you have to do to get going. So in our business series, we're going to, we're bringing him on to talk about, you know, the way to choose your market. And he wrote a whole book about that. So when you're, when you're clear on who you want to serve and you know what the language that they use and, and how you want to help them, and then it's just a matter of picking one and being, and just really keeping it simple. I'm going to tell you right now that I am so guilty of complicating everything as somebody who's really visionary, I'm like, oh, I want to do it this way. I want to do it this way. I want to do it this way. If it's working, you can just continue to work on what's working and then, you know, build. I think that's probably a, a good summary. Yeah. And one of the things that I 
tell people all the time is that, you know, I'll run into a lot of entrepreneurs. I just want it off my plate. I don't mm-hmm. want to do it. Just can't somebody take care of it for me. I have a friend, John, who said to me a couple of years ago, I'll just give you $99 a month and can't you just do my social media for me? You know, and I said, I'll be happy to, but here's what's going to happen. You're going to give me $99 a month and I'm not going to do anything except for tell you that it's being done because anybody who's doing your social media for $99 a month, you're not going to get any business from it likely anyway. They'll get it off right. your plate. They'll post stuff, but it's not going to actually lead to you, you know, growing your business at all. And you know, once you get into it and figure out what's working, I was doing a coaching call yesterday with a woman who is a couples counselor and she was struggling and she was trying to, you know, post every other day on Facebook and all of these things. And, and, you know, we had this conversation and I said, what happens? Like, what do people need to know or do right before they decide to hire you? And we kind of came up with a couple of things and came up with an idea for basically a document or a lead magnet that she could put out where it was seven things to know before you hire a couples counselor. And the hope is that once she's got this, it may not be about posting every other day or every day anymore. It might be that she puts it up and she spends money to get it in front of people if she has a system to where people download it, they get a follow-up email, they do a consultation, free consultation call, and next thing you know, they're a client. And now you don't have to do all of those things. You just have to figure out what's works. And that was based on another client I had who was a child sleep consultant. And you know, it was interesting working with her because as a parent of young boys, I remember the sleepless nights. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm like, man, if you came into my life at the right time and you were like, yeah, it's great. I'll get your baby to sleep. It's $10,000. I would be like, how much room do we have on the credit card? <laughs> like, let's, yeah, please, if sure. you can get him to sleep tonight. And it was a similar thing where she put together this guide and it was seven ways to get your child sleeping better by this weekend or something like that. And once she put it out there, she spent $30 to get it in front of parents of young kids. And the next day, she had booked $1,400 in new business from this $30 spend. And and that's how simple it can be, but it does take some work to get there. The the main thing I wanted to say was if you you understand it yourself, instead of just going, somebody just do this for me, you can outsource it later. mm -hmm. You can outsource it for cheap because you give it to somebody that's already on your team or that you trust because they're just enacting what you already know instead of the woman I saw a month ago who admitted she spent $20,000 on a Facebook ads expert last year and got nothing from it. And yeah. that's what's the, that's why like helping people learn it themselves. Cause it's so it's, it's cheaper in the long run, but nobody knows be. your business like you do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nobody's ever going to care about your business as much as you do. And that's, you know, that's a lesson that I learned pretty early on, you know, yeah. from the surgical practice all the way through to this practice where we help women kind of redefine menopause in this time of their life, you know? And so, I mean, I am probably your struggling avatar because I find social media to be daunting. I don't want to do it. You know, I used to go do Facebook lives all the time and I was like, this sucks. And I started doing podcasts instead because I like podcasting, you know, but there was a time there where I went, I think I went live every single day for like eight months so I could get good. I was like, I'm going to just go live every day at 8am. And, and I got a following, you know, I did, but it, it helped me kind of define like how I wanted to talk to people and what I'm about and, and things like that. And I guess the point I'm trying to make, it's a process, it's, it's life, you know, and don't expect that you're going to go out there and put your stuff out there and somebody's going to buy it unless you really, really know, you know, what your audience needs and what they're struggling with. And, you know, you really want to be inside their heads and that takes time. You got to get to know them. Yeah. And your podcast is, you know, podcast is not technically social media. It's obviously media. Yeah. But if you found that your podcast drives people to your email list or whatever else, you know, then your social media goal might just be to get new listeners on the podcast or even get your current listeners to consume more episodes if you know that that helps. But, you know, the hardest thing is there are so many pieces and sh- and I'm a shiny object chaser. I'm as bad as anybody. And I might, similar to what you said earlier, where it's like, I've got so many ideas and so many things that I want to do. And, and so, you know, picking and choosing is the tough part for me. But once you figure out what works, then you can focus on that. And the great thing is once it's working, and if it doesn't take up all of your time, then you can try one of the other ones, you know? And, yeah, you, and I love that you found podcasting and that you love it. That yeah. Was. Do you processize things? Do you show people how to do, how to turn their, once they start to find success, do you show them how they can turn it over to somebody else? Like, it, like you know, somebody like me who's got a ton of video content, right? 
how to turn that over so that they can kind of get away from having to do, you know, all the things. I have a thing I teach that's essentially how to outsource your social media once you understand it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's kind of around, you know, can I trust them? How do I share passwords? You know, how do I communicate with them? And things like that. And and we go a little bit into the hardest part is, you know, you, as Dr. Gordon, you're a personal brand, ultimately, right? Yeah. And the hardest part is try it for most people. How do I turn over a personal brand? (laughs) You know, like uh, they're not me. Right. And, but there are ways you can do it. You know, I've met lots of people over the years to where, and again, they figure out a system that works and you're not going to be able to hire somebody for minimum wage to do this, but you also don't hire, have to hire somebody at the top, but you get somebody that's a content creator. And maybe all you do is when you have a thought, you record a voice memo and you send it to them and Mm -hmm. then they turn it into posts and, you know, all of these different things. And of course, like you said, you have all these videos. Somebody could turn those into content. Like if you have a bunch of hour long videos, they could turn those into 60 second clips for Instagram videos or different things like that. So yeah, Yeah. I mean, it, it can be done. It's just at different levels for different people. And the personal brand is the hardest because you're not them and they're not you, but it's doable. Right. I think we've done a really good job of kind of hitting the basics here. Was there anything else that, you know, you would tell just somebody who was starting out that like, you know, how to be, you know, successful from the get go? This is a really good thing to remember for people that are starting out or people that are restarting or people that are struggling in it, you know, right now as well as, and it's really important that you become, you know, social media has this tendency to feel like a 24 seven hustle. We have Mm. this amazing piece of technology in our pockets, in our purses all the time and it dings And sometimes we get that dopamine hit, you know, and then other times it's, gosh, there it is again. Oh, I got to reply to this person. You know, I got to do that. And so it's really important that you don't let it control you. And this is for your own Mm -hmm. health and sanity. This is a lesson that I learned the hard way. My wife used to work evenings. And so from starting when I had a, boy, how old was he? I think eight months and a four-year-old. It was just me and the kids every night. And so I had to, you know, the pickups from daycare and dinner and the bedtime routine and, you know, all of that. And they would, and she would get home just in time to read them, read them, read to them before bed. Mm-hmm. And there was one night we were sitting at the table and my four-year-old at the time was telling this epic tale about something that happened on the playground that day. And for anybody that has kids, like, you know, <laughs> You have to interview your kids to get anything out of them. And so he was actually telling a story. And my phone dinged and I told myself, I'm going to look over and see what it is and keep listening. But the moment I looked over, I stopped listening. And I didn't used to talk about this story because essentially embarrassed by it. But I looked over and it was something from a client. I was working at an agency at the time. And I said to my boys, I said, hang on, guys. I got to go take care of this really quick. I'll be right back. And so I got up. I went to the office. I took care of this, you know, client issue. I came back uh, 10 minutes later. Both the kids were gone and the dog was on the table eating my dinner. It was this moment of, you know, what am I doing? You know, and my boss at the time was like, oh, our clients love how responsive you are and all this kind of stuff. And so it was that moment where I realized I have to set boundaries. And it's really important that you do it in your business and on your social media. And we tell ourselves, oh, somebody, everyone needs a quick response. And if your business hours are nine to five, great. If you want to do that and provide that for them, that's fine. But if you set boundaries, you will actually like earn the respect of your people even more. And if you let them roll over you, then they'll expect that, you know, that 24 seven response. And so it's, it's part of not getting overwhelmed in the beginning, but just decide, Hey, after six o'clock, I'm not replying to anything till the next morning. Cause guess what? There are few to zero emergencies in most of our businesses. Surgeon aside, Dr. Gordon. No, but. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that the, that was the reason why, one of the main reasons is like, you know, there are no emergencies in an online business like that require, that are life and death. I mean, you know, there may be personalities and like personnel and, you know, HR and stuff like that. But none of that is ever, is life-threatening. I mean, you know, having done trauma and plenty of life-saving operations, at the end of the day, you know, I don't have to get up in the middle of the night anymore. And that's, 
That was the impetus for this. So yeah, just because we're always connected doesn't mean that you have to be. And then, and then the last thing too is that, you know, if you're telling yourself I don't have time to keep up, it's really important to separate your social media work time from your social media play time. Yeah. And so I've worked with a lot of business owners where they say, yeah, and then I browse Twitter, you know, and it turns out they're spending an hour a day browsing Twitter, and it's like, well, when's the last time that somebody came to you and hired you from Twitter? Um, I think I got somebody about six months ago, maybe somebody a couple of years before that. It's like, yeah. okay, keep tweeting, but that's Netflix time. That's not work time anymore. And so that's the other boundary that I think is really important to set. Yeah, I think it's really important to know that not everybody needs a reply right away and we don't have to be, we're not bots. I mean, that's why we have bots to, you know, we set up bots so that they'll they'll answer right away. I don't even allow mini notifications on my phone because I just find them so distracting. Yeah. So yeah, my ego was kind of hit. What I did was after that, I turned off all these notifications on my phone. So I didn't see them until I logged in. And then two weeks later, the world hadn't melted down. And it was like, oh, I'm not as important as I thought I was. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) So where can people find you? My website is a great place to start for anybody. It's just five minute socialmedia.com. Five is spelled out F I V E. And then if you want to, you know, if you hear this, you want to ask me any follow up questions, I love answering on Instagram because I can answer in with a voice recording. I'm on Instagram at Mr. Jerry Potter, M R J E R R Y P O T T E R. Jerry Potter rhymes with the boy wizard, as I like to say. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on to the Menopause Movement podcast. I hope that our listeners have learned quite a bit about social media. My pleasure, Dr. Gordon. Thank you for having me. Now, if you have questions about the topics covered in this or any other podcast, I invite you to open a conversation with me via email at info at menopausemovement.com or on Facebook Messenger through my Facebook page at Dr. Michelle Gordon. That's D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-O-R-D-O-N. I also want to invite you to join in our next beta group. Here at the Menopause Movement, we are always trying out new methods of teaching and the best ways to get on top of your menopause symptoms. We regularly run beta test groups where we create a learning experience valued at $2,000, but at no cost to you in exchange for feedback and testimonials. To get notified of our next beta group, simply sign up at beta.menopausemovement.com. And thanks so much for being a part of the Menopause Movement. I appreciate you. 